Welcome back to the town of Acacia Grove, where like most communities, there's always something going on. The stories you're going to hear from this new set of residents is definitely going to hit different. I tell you, you never really know what a person is dealing with behind closed doors. Luckily for us, they're going to tell what happened behind theirs. So get comfortable and let's listen to Scenes from Life. As far back as I can recall, my parents have been anti-religious. They consider themselves atheists. Interestingly enough, I always found it easier to believe in a God with ultimate power creating intricacies like the human body with its mysterious body-sustaining brain and the wondrous reproductive system of females who could bring forth life. Who else could do such marvelous work other than a god, I often wondered. However, my father believed that it was a person's lack of motivation and initiative that made them believe in a god who could bring about a better future. He said that most Christians were lazy and therefore content to sit back and wait on an imaginary God to make things happen for them instead of going out and taking life by the horns. Unlike him, who was a go-getter and acquired all he had in life on his own strength and not because some God had paved the way for him. Now, hallelujah that, he would always say. So, because religion has never been a part of my life, aside from my parents' occasional heated dialogue regarding these poor, misguided religious fanatics, I had no reason to care one way or another until students on campus hailed a prayer vigil for a missing student who happened to be my friend and dorm mate. When I attended the vigil for my friend, I started to look at things a little differently. These people didn't seem fanatical at all. They weren't waving Bibles around and speaking in strange tongues. And the prayers were actually very nice and comforting, even to me. Especially since everyone was hoping against hope, or I guess praying would be more accurate that she would be found alive. Over the next several days, the Christians kept the vigils going and offered words of comfort to everyone. Still no Bible thumping or strange tongues. In fact, they offered special prayers to their God on behalf of me, her doormate, and told me that if I wanted someone to pray with, to call. I assured them I wouldn't require prayer because I was an atheist, but I might want to talk. And there was no judgment or self-righteous holier-than-thou attitude Unlike my folks who toot their horns every chance they get about not relying on an imaginary God and the man God, Jesus. And the Christians definitely weren't lazy standing by while waiting on their God to work a miracle. Students were actually organizing fundraisers to raise reward money for 
information in Delilah's disappearance. Everyone was posting pictures of Delilah and her story on their social media. And a small group was posting flyers in the businesses of Acacia Grove in the town next over. On a particularly stressful day for me, the day Delilah's abandoned car was found, one of the Christians, Ruth, called me and asked if I needed to talk. It said a lot about our character that she said talk and not pray. She showed respect to me in spite of my belief system or I guess lack thereof. I again started to wonder if it wasn't my parents who were the fanatics. Well, days stretch into weeks and weeks into months. Then Delilah's body was discovered miles away. She had been murdered. I immediately wondered, how was I going to get through this? How would her family and all the people who knew her and loved her, how, how were we going to cope? My cell phone rang and it was my parents wanting to know if I was okay and if I needed to come home to talk things out and get away from the madness. I told them I think I needed to stay at the school and offer support to the other students and friends of Delilah. My mom said, of course, dear. Call if you need to talk. As soon as I ended the call, my phone rang again and it was Ruth asking if I had heard the news and she said she was sending out a group text to the student population to start gathering in the student lounge for prayer and hoped I would join. Of course, was my response. I felt the need to be around people and to listen to the softly spoken words of comfort that came by way of prayer of the Christian student group. But as I started to gather my things, I looked over at Delilah's things still as she left them and the tears started to flow. There were hundreds of students gathered in the student lounge and in the adjoining garden. Ruth, the head of the Christian student group, started to speak about the tragic news and then began to pray. Everyone was crying, and as Ruth's prayer intensified, I started to feel a strong but comforting presence. It was beginning to overwhelm the atmosphere and me. I looked around to see if anyone else appeared to notice. Students had their hands up as if reaching to be embraced by or caught up by the presence. Okay, so I obviously wasn't the only one experiencing this phenomenon. When things wrapped up, Ruth found me in the dispersing crowd and she gave me a hug that scared me but ignited me at the same time. The presence seemed to have almost consumed her being. As she loosened her embrace of me, her hands on my shoulders, she looked at me and asked if I was okay. I told her that I felt an overwhelming presence during the vigil and she smiled the way she does and said, that presence you are experiencing is the Holy Spirit of the living God, Jesus Christ. I was floored. I looked at her in shock and awe. Ruth laughed and said, you have just been in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then she looked at me with seriousness and said, Alyssa, the experiences you have had this past month have opened the eyes of your heart. God is reaching out to you. Can I pray with you right now? 
Of course I said yes. I believed what she was saying to me because I indeed felt this presence, something I have never experienced before. Back in my room, I was still very much aware of the presence that overwhelmed the atmosphere and the participants of the prayer vigil. I felt the need to cry and the overwhelming desire to just kneel before the presence of what I now knew to be the Lord. As I knelt, I let the tears flow until they were racking my body. I cried out, please help me. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this without your help. I felt a peace overcome me that was so wonderfully comforting that I started to cry even harder from the sheer power of it. Ruth told me after she prayed the prayer of salvation with me that this was only the beginning. And I guess she was right. She told me that the Lord was so much more than what I had just witnessed at the vigil that I now had to do my part and learn of him and what he wanted to do for me because of his undying love. As I said at the beginning of my story, I always found it easier to believe in a God creating mankind than just some cosmic coincidence. I guess God must have believed in me that one day I would make the right decision and so planted that seed of faith. I'm really looking forward to joining Ruth and the group for Bible study. It's hard to explain, but I'm sure those of you who are saved understand what, what I mean when I say I thirsty, thirsty for knowledge and, and to understand the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can't wait to quench my thirst. This concludes today's episode of Scenes from Life from Deborah and Dana Presents. Thank you for listening. We value your feedback, so please make sure that you comment, follow, subscribe, and definitely share with others. And make sure you stay tuned for when the next episode drops. It's going to be good.